Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Well, welcome to week three of The Genius of Jesus. Have you guys been enjoying the series so far? Have you been learning something? I've really been hoping that as we go through the story of Jesus, that it actually helps and recalibrates the way that we read the Gospels and we read the Bible. So I hope that's been helping in that. Because sometimes, you know, you can be walking with the Lord and you take a scripture here and you take a scripture there and you take a scripture there. And those bits are fine, but we're supposed to actually know the entire narrative, the entire story and its completeness. And um, that's something which I hope it's encouraging all of us to do. Well, as I said previously, by the evening of that first Good Friday, the world had actually changed forever. People didn't know it, but the world had changed. On the, mer- on the morning of that first Easter, there was an empty tomb that surprised the world. But even more than that, there was an opening of a brand new world for anyone and everyone to step into if they would follow Jesus. And in the opening of a brand new world, it actually brought forth a call. It brought forth something which was unshakable. It brought forth the kingdom of God. It ushered forward the plans and purposes of God. And it actually left with you and me, those of us who say we are the local church, we are the body of Christ. It actually called us to go deeper in God. I love this quote by Eugene Peterson. He said, a local church is a congregation of embarrassingly ordinary people in and through whom God chooses to be present in this world. Is anyone here just embarrassingly ordinary? Or is, that, is there anyone here who's just absolutely spectacular? I mean, you're just like, we've got some spectacular people around. <laughs> but I like that, hey. God, for some reason, He's chosen to use the ordinary to profound the wise. He's using, he's using people like you and He's using people like me. And if you were here last week, we were talking about the directive that Jesus gave to us as to how we're supposed to live. And it was found in John chapter 20. And from verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed the Holy Spirit on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying on that very first day of his resurrection, the very first day, the Bible says, Peace be with you. This is the plans and purposes. This is how you're supposed to live. He says, as the Father has sent me into Israel, I'm sending you out into the world. And that really messes with me, to be honest, because when I read the story of Jesus, when I look at his life, when I look at the places he goes, where he dares to venture, man, Jesus gets in trouble all the time. He goes to places he shouldn't be going. He talks to people he shouldn't be talking to. He is partying. He's eating. He is drinking with people. He gets accused of having a demon and, and he lives this lifestyle. He has this reputation And you know what? If I'm supposed to go into the world the same way that Jesus went to Israel, maybe I need to have a bit of a reputation. Maybe there should be something about me that, oh, that day, man, he's hanging around the wrong people. You know what? He's not doing the wrong things, but he's hanging around the wrong people. You know, I think it's amazing that Jesus didn't have a problem with allowing those who were severely broken, especially the sexually broken, come so close to him. He didn't have a problem with that. But sometimes we have a problem with that, don't we? If we're honest, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's just, uh, but Jesus, no, not at all. Jesus didn't have a problem going and embracing lepers and healing them. He touched them before he healed them. 
wow, it messes with me because the challenge to me is, Dave, are you prepared to touch them before I heal them? Oh, see, that just messes, messes with me. If anyone thinks being a Christian is comfortable, man, you haven't met Jesus because Jesus... He disturbs and he, he calls us and he spurs us on because he's, he, he's about unleashing this kingdom of God that, that is just amazing. So last week we talked about the what, but today I actually want to talk a little bit about the how. And um, if you've been around the Christian block um, for any length of time, you may know that this Sunday is Palm Sunday. Did you know that? Palm Sunday. This is Holy Week right now. This is Passion Week. We are heading into Easter. I mean, if there is any week in the calendar that we should be more excited about, more celebrating about, more focused on about, allowing to speak into our life, this is the week in the calendar if we call ourselves Christians. And as it is Palm Sunday, I wanted to read from Matthew chapter 21, um, 11 verses, verse 1 to 11. And, um, and, and we'll read from there. I'm reading from the New International Version. And it says this, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to them that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought a donkey and a colt and placed their cloaks on for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. In Galilee. You know, in churches all over the world right now and on this day, you will see children marching around the aisles with palm branches commemorating um, this first Palm Sunday. Palm is a symbol of triumph in the ancient times. It's something that was used to welcome royalty. Um, to extol the victorious. And, and, and palms were used to, to cover paths and, and all that. They were very symbolic. And it was very symbolic and very intentional what this crowd was doing as Jesus was coming. And all four Gospels actually record that this is what happens as Jesus enters this Passion Week. The crowds are laid branches, garments on the road in front of him. And they're applauding him, they're crying him, and they're they're shouting out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. And you know what? When I read my Bible and I see this story, at the very top is this title, and it reads, The Triumph of Jesus. Have you guys heard of something like that? And like, I have the the benefit of actually reading back, and, and I look at that title, like the triumphal entry of Jesus. Then I read the story forward, and it's like the end of this is that he dies. I'm thinking, that's a stupid title. That doesn't make any sense, does it? 
It reads like it's a bit of a joke, but um, at the time, there was such a buzz. If you think about it, Jesus, this rabbi, they've been expecting this Messiah, and Jesus, he's, he's, he's going around, he's doing all these miracles and all that. A couple of days before this very event, something remarkable happens, which is actually, it's, a, it's an event that happened that actually causes everyone to take notice of Jesus. And what happens is that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and everyone knows about it. You know, so, so he's been doing miracles and all that. And that's fine. Oh, Jesus, dude, he's healing and, and all this stuff. That's amazing. He's preaching. He's got this authority in his teaching. But a couple of days before this, he raises someone from the dead. And they're thinking, whoa, now that's got to be the guy. He's got to be the Messiah. He's got to be the one. So at this moment, Jesus' popularity is at a real high. And he takes this, and he takes this moment, and he does something. He actually comes into Jerusalem at a time when everyone is gathering. And as Jesus rides in, any observer who's looking from the outside, looking in, would say, Jesus right now, he is at the pinnacle of his popularity. He is the pinnacle of, of his ministry. He is at the top of the mountain. At this moment in time, Jesus, surely you could do anything you want. You've got the entire nation just right there. They're ready to follow you. They believe that they're ready to go. And, and, and you sort of look at this and say, man, something as amazing is going to happen right now. And in a few short days, all of it is snuffed out. Triumphal entry. He's hanging naked and broken on a cross. And let me tell you, if you were standing there looking at this dude hanging on the cross, who just a couple of days earlier came in with all this like stuff happening, where would you be? There are many who are mocking him saying, pff, pff, here we go again. He's another guy who thought he was the one and look at him. Many others were distressed, weeping, wailing, hopes dashed. Others could only offer nothing more than tears. The triumphal entry of Jesus? You gotta be kidding me. Seriously? I mean, seriously, if this is what it looks like when God executes his master plan. What sort of plan is this? You know, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, he says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. For people looking around, for a large part of people, what happened during this week? It was a stumbling block. It's like, no way. That's just, that's just dumb. That doesn't make sense. For other people, it's like this foolishness. Like, no way. This is it's just, but for us sitting here today, who would call ourselves Christians, it's neither a stumbling block nor foolishness. This is the genius of Jesus. What happened? It is the genius of Jesus. That Jesus comes in his own, on his own terms. So what's happening in this scenario? I really want you guys to picture this in your mind. This is Passover week. Jesus, out of all the seven feasts that Jesus could possibly choose to move, out of all the feasts that was available to him, he chooses Passover. Everyone's coming to Jerusalem for Passover. Passover is significant. The city is a buzz, and, and, and Jesus chooses Passover to actually make a move. And Passover is a story of Yahweh rescuing Israel from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Do you remember that story? 
all the plagues and the Red Sea and the pillar of fire and the pillar of of cloud. This is the feast. This is the period of time that actually causes every single person who is a Jew to actually take their memories back and to retell the story um, in their singing and in their prayers and in their, their rhetoric. It, it, it is a week, it is a time of continually going back there. But, but also there is this thing of when the people were looking back to Passover, they're also looking forward. Because they understand, they recognize that God did that once, but we're believing he's going to do it again. And the last time he did it, he did it in an incomplete way because look at us. We're being like absolutely smashed by the Romans. But this time, when when God does it this time, he's going to finish the job. He's going to finish it. There was this expectation that was happening. Israel was waiting for their God to come and rescue them again. And it seemed like it was hundreds and hundreds of years and the heavens were silent. They were anticipating. They They were waiting. And Jesus pops up in this kind of atmosphere. It is pregnant with expectation. It is pregnant with, God, I hope you're doing something. It is pregnant with, now is the time. Everyone thought that that God was going to come and revisit his temple. Because even though they went to the temple, they understood going to the temple today is not like the stories of old. Because in the stories in the Old Testament, where when there were stories about going to the temple, there was the Shekinah glory, which is the manifest presence of God you know, and they rock up to the temple now and they go and they offer their sacrifices and they go and worship God. But they all know there ain't no glory there. But they're waiting for a time because God says, I'm coming back to my temple. They're waiting for it. They are waiting for God. The book of Malachi leaves it open-ended saying, I'm going to come back to my temple. They had land, but not really because they were under the thumb of an empire. And they had heard, and they were counting down the days. They, they looked at prophecies, like in the prophecy of Daniel, and it gave them years, and they were counting down the years for when God is going to come finally and to rescue them and all that. And you know what? There had been so many previous quasi kind of messiahs. It wasn't that Jesus was the first one to pop up and say, I'm the messiah. No, there had been previous messiahs. But they all got smashed. They all got killed. And they were thinking, well, Jesus is just another one. Like that. So this is Passover week. Jewish expectation is so high. Jesus had just raised Lazarus. All right? That's a big deal. I mean, when's the last time you raised someone from the dead? That's a big, that's a big one. Right? Passover is here. The story of the Exodus is just marinating and resonating and just being, it's on like loop. It's on repeat in everyone's minds and in everyone's conversation. And at this moment, Jesus decides to enter Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And you can understand what they were thinking because they say in their words, they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city is stirred and asks, who is this? Can you imagine going to the entire city of Perth and like there's a million people over there and every single person is stirred. Every single person sort of thinking, what is going on? Something's going on. And every single person's asking, who is this person? Who is this person? Who is this person? Who is this person? And they asked it. And what do they say? They say, he's the son of David. Well, now son of David means nothing to us right now, right? To be honest, Jackson is the son of David because <laughs> I'm David. 
It doesn't mean too much to us in Australian culture. But every single Jewish boy, girl, man, woman knew what son of David meant. Now, if we were to use a modern greeting as opposed to that, instead of son of David, we might say, your majesty. Now, that makes more sense to us, doesn't it? Your majesty. They're saying, you're the king. Your majesty. That's what son of David is. Your majesty. You're the king. That's why when, when, when Jesus is moving with the crowds and, and they're moving and, and Jesus stops because he hears a blind beggar called Bartimaeus call out, he only stopped because of the title that he shouted out publicly. What was it? Son of David, have mercy on me. What was he saying? Your majesty, have mercy on me. Your majesty. And everyone is calling out son of David. People saying, who is this? This is Jesus. This is the son of David. Son of God, like this, is, this is him. Son of David is this messianic title. It speaks of God's anointed one. It speaks of this is the one who's going to deliver us. This is the one who's like Moses, who absolutely smashed Pharaoh. This is the one who's going to come and he's going to go and he's going to go and get those Romans out of here. And finally, we're going to have freedom. Finally, we're going to have our land. Finally, the glory of God's going to come. Finally, something's going to happen. That's what the son of David means. Different to the son of man. Right? That we talked about two weeks ago. Son of David is about the king. When Jesus said he's son of man, he was declaring, I'm God. Two different things. Two different things. As you read your Bible, um, you'll read it differently if you take those things into account. But in the midst of everyone else's expectations of how the king should come and what the king should do and how we should expect it, Jesus comes entirely on his own terms. You see, everyone was expecting that the son of David's going to come, but no one expected that the son of David was going to be the son of man. That's crazy, right? No one expected that the king's actually going to be God. No one expected that. Jesus comes on his own terms. We read in, um, from verse 2 to 5, Jesus says to them, Go to the village ahead of you at once. You're going to find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. All of this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, Jesus comes on his own terms. Not only did he come as not just the son of David, but also the son of man. He comes riding in on a donkey. When's the last time you looked at a donkey? Has anyone watched Shrek? Right? I look at donkeys. I don't think too much of them. In the Old Testament, when a king rode in to a city, he would ride on, in on um, either two different animals. He rode in on a war horse when he was announcing war, right? He rode in on a donkey when he was announcing peace. What did Jesus ride in on? But what was everyone's expectation? Jesus comes in on his own terms. He comes in on his own terms. Because it makes no sense. You see, Jesus, don't you understand? Have you not read the narrative? Like, seriously, <laughs> it's Passover week. We know what we're expecting. 
We, we, we've acknowledged, we're calling you the son of David. You're accepting our, our, our acknowledgement of you as the king. Yeah, it's Passover. Can't you see what they're doing to us? Can't you see how we're being smiling? Can't you see how they're dominating us? Can't you see how they're, they're hurting us? And it's amazing that when Jesus sees people trying to make him this political Messiah, he turns to his disciples and he says, go get me a donkey. Go get me a donkey. In order to show by this symbolic act that he was no potential threat to overthrow the Romans, but he was coming as the Prince of Peace. And I think about that scenario, you know. I, I really think about that Jesus, in this moment that was so pregnant with expectation, which is so pregnant with fear and, and just so pregnant with, oh, we need someone to rescue and deliver us, that Jesus decides to come in this manner. And I've just been thinking, Jesus is so intentional and so persistent in coming in on his own terms. And then I read through the pages of history, and then I say, you know what? Those first Jewish people, they were not the first people who expected that Jesus would come in a certain way and Jesus came in on his own terms. You know, throughout history, we have been expecting Jesus to ride in in a certain way, to ride in on a war horse. But Jesus, how he rides in to this week, how he rides in, to actually fulfill scripture, how he rides in to usher in the kingdom of God is on a donkey. How does that mess with you? How does that mess with our geopolitics throughout history, but also looking forward? How does that mess with that? You know, we want to send in a war horse and Jesus saying, uh, fellas, sorry, got a donkey. How does that mess with issues in marriage? Let's get personal, right? It's like, man, I can't believe he did that. Man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, when I go home, I'm just gonna that that that. that. And Jesus saying, um, "Donkey, how does that mess with conflict at work?" Donkey, how does that mess with things that throughout history we have been so aggressive in protesting? You know, sometimes the church is known for the things that we're against rather than the things that we're for. And Jesus says, donkey. Because I dare say, if at any moment you've had someone rocking in into your situation and your scenario, and they've come in on a war horse, that hasn't been Jesus. Because Jesus will come in on a donkey. Does that mess with you? That messes with me <laughs> because I'm really not the kind of donkey kind of guy. You know, I, 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 I want to get in. It's like, <clears throat> let me, come on. And Jesus would just say, Dave, donkey, 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 donkey. To fulfill the prophecy, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. On a donkey. And I reckon as we step into this holy week, as we step into Passion Week, this is Palm Sunday. Last week was very clear. Jesus was very clear and very direct. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. There you go. 
But how he starts this, the manner in which he starts this, isn't just here. It actually started with an announcement of the angels at his birth, didn't it? Peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. And I think that as we go and we navigate and as we consider the story as we go through life, and if we think about the donkey as opposed to the war horse, it's going to change our approach in every single setting. It's got to, it has to change in every single setting. It's going to change in, in the way that we deal with family members. The donkey, not the war horse. It's going to change in the way we, we, we treat our neighbors, just praying that blasting music just to like 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're just like jumping up and down and saying, where is the police? I'm just going to call the police. That's just the rider house. That may not be your house, but in that setting, it's a donkey. It's a donkey. You see, the example that Jesus sets out, this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, heading to the cross, is not done with aggression or arrogance. It's done through humility and peace. And you know what? I kind of think that if riding on a donkey was strong enough for Jesus to approach the cross, to defeat sin, to defeat death, to disarm spiritual powers, to make a public spectacle of the devil, well, maybe riding on a donkey might be strong enough to get the job done in our situation and in our circumstance. I mean, seriously, if it was peace, if it was humility, they actually enabled Jesus to go through and actually provide this brand new world. Well, maybe, surely, absolutely. As we take this, as we take this as our approach as to how we are to live our life, as to how we are to preach the gospel, as to how we are to serve one another with peace, with humility, well, surely that is powerful enough to get the job done. And it doesn't make any sense because we want to get onto our war horse. And let me tell you, your house may not have a stable, but I guarantee in the spirit there's a stable in every single house and you have a donkey and you have a war horse just standing side by side and every single morning we have a choice. Which one are we going to jump on? Is it going to be the war horse or is it going to be the donkey is it going to be the donkey or is it going to be the war horse and maybe sometimes we say well I'm going to use the donkey for this but I'm going to use the war horse for that and Jesus would say no you need to actually forego the war horse and that donkey is sufficient to get the job done in every single situation and every single city see we come in peace we don't come with aggression we come in humility we do not come in arrogance we come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and we come by his example. And if we take this forward, we will see the continuation, the bringing forth of the kingdom of God. And we will see God do remarkable things in this generation. We don't just have to read about what happened in previous gen generations, but we will see it happen in this generation. Just going to close with one verse. John 14, verse 27, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this, he says, peace, I leave with you. The band can come up because we're going to go into something else. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, I'm very much aware that when we're talking about 
our approach in life when we're talking about the how is we're talking about these two kind of approaches in life, a war horse and a donkey and what they represent. I'm very much aware that there is no way that we can possibly approach this world in peace if there's no peace in our heart. And we're going to go into a time in a moment of worship and seeking God. But you may be in a moment right now and there is just anything but peace in your heart. And I want to pray for you. And I'm not talking about just a congregational prayer. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to lay hands on you. You may not even hear the prayer, but by faith, you've got to believe that God's going to do something. I'm going to lay my hand on you, this one right here, or maybe this one, or maybe both. And I'm going to pray the peace of God comes. Maybe your approach or your experience with Christianity has been those Christians, they keep coming in with war horses. Not the ones who know Jesus. We come with humility and we come in peace. We come to tell you about the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come to let you know that a brand new world has been opened. We come to tell you that our God has defeated death. He has defeated sin and is the triumph of his love. It is the triumph of His love. And to the best of our ability, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we endeavor to walk that out, to live that out. You wonder why our little catch thing in this church is live the love? Because that's what we're supposed to do, to live the love. So I want you to just close your eyes. I'm going to pray.